Hello and welcome to So Divine. I'm Megan Skinner. And I'm Stephanie Galling. And this is our monthly podcast where we explore the astrological landscape and we give you tools to consciously negotiate what's happening out there. And of course, we also have the tarot card for the month and Stephanie will offer some wellness suggestions. So this is our podcast for May. And this is kind of a special podcast because we're going to be focusing a lot on the planet Uranus. And Uranus is all about shaking things up. And in fact, Stephanie and I, to celebrate, we actually shifted our seats. So we're actually at different ends of the table. And so we're just all about, you know, being spontaneous and mixing things up. And actually for uh, the tarot card, uh, we are going to pick that right here on air uh, during the podcast. So before we get to Uranus, let's start by talking about the vibrations for May, which is all about Taurus. Yeah, so the beginning of the month for the first three weeks until the 20th, the sun is in Taurus. So we're in this time of luxury, of the connection to the senses, of being really practical and pragmatic, right? It's quite the switch from the sign before, from Aries, which was spirited, which was, you know, jump before you think, which was passionate, that sense of fieriness. This is slower. This is more earthy and more grounded. And this is we get nourished by connecting to nature, connecting to routines and rhythm And it's, you know, what's also really important, I think, in talking about this is that there is such a focus on Taurus because when we talk about Uranus, we're talking about it because it's about to move into the sign of Taurus. So do you notice the difference? Like, what's your experience of, you know, Taurus Well, I do. It's just, you know, Uranus and Aries almost in some weird way made sense, (laughs) you you know. And and Uranus was in Aries for, what, seven years approximately. And so, you know, Uranus is the, I call it the wake up and smell the coffee planet. It's all about revolution and change and liberation. And, you know, in the fiery sign of Aries, it made sense, you know, because Aries is like, yeah, let's revolt. Let's, you know, tear down those old structures. But I'm not quite sure what to do with Uranus, you know, this shake things up planet in this very stable, conservative sign of Taurus. Yes, it's going to be. Let's we'll we'll definitely talk about that because I think that's really important. I think it might be, you know, I don't want to think, say that it's going to be more shocking. I think it's going to be differently shocking. Okay. Right? Right. But before we get to that, I think maybe we can talk about Mercury, just to sort of throw that in before we get to like yes. our main focus of yes. our conversation. Because we're we're in the final shadow period, right? Right. So on May 3rd, Mercury clears its shadow. So what is the shadow, right? So we all know, right, Mercury was retrograde from March 22nd through April 15th. And before and after the retrograde period, Mercury, or any planet, right, that has gone retrograde, covers that territory that it does during the retrograde. So what's interesting about the shadow period, some people say, like, the shadow period is Mercury retrograde light. You know, (laughs) I kind of look at it more that, you know, the three week before, three weeks or so before Mercury retrograde, we're getting sort of a a periscope into what is that territory that we are going to review, that we are going to get alternative perspectives on, Mm -hmm. right? Which we then do during the retrograde period. 
And then the post-shadow period, right, which would have been April 15th to May 3rd, we have this experience, this opportunity, I should say, for more synthesis, right? Mm. I first got this vision of this arena, this part of my life before the retrograde. I then saw it from a different perspective, right? I I traced my steps back. I looked at it from a different vantage point. Possibly I looked at it from a different vantage point because there was breakdowns, right? Right, right. And now during this shadow period afterwards, we have this ability to say, okay, I saw it from this angle. I saw it from that angle. How do I put those together so now I can move forward with that understanding with more holism? Right. And what I think, you know, what that springs to mind is integration, right? Is the opportunity to integrate all that. And what I love talking about with the Mercury retrograde is, you know, because I think sometimes it gets such a negative wrap out there. And as you and I talk a lot about is, you know, it's this time of, you know, you know, pulling back and, you know, going within and being contemplative and slowing down. And then when we add these shadow periods to it, right, it just kind of gives it a bigger context in which to work with. Exactly. Exactly. So, and again, it's always interesting when you think about retrogrades to see during that, you know, each time, where is it happening in your chart? Because that is the realm of your life that is where I look at it like that's the arena where there's a deeply, there's a more deeply etched opportunity for more holistic awareness. And since there's lots of retrogrades this year, obviously we have the Mercury retrograde, we'll have a Mars retrograde beginning in June, the Venus one in October. You know, this is something that we'll continue to talk about. Right, and I think with last month too, with all of that, you know, the Mercury retrograde in Aries, we had the new moon in Aries, conjunct Uranus. It was all that kind of very fiery Aries energy. And I just wanted to share a story too about Uranus being in Aries in those last few degrees before it shifts into Taurus. And I have my son in Libra at 29 degrees. And when Uranus was about uh, 28 degrees, like one degree away from my son in my fourth house of home and family, and then Uranus was opposite it in my 10th house, um, my father became gravely ill. And he's elderly and, Mm. you know, he's been, you know, wanting to move on to the next... (laughs) next journey for a while, but it happened very suddenly, and it was very Uranus. And remember, Uranus is like one degree away from my son. And when I think about son, I think about father and, you know, more that patriarchal legacy. And this is happening in my fourth house of home and family. And there was, you know, uh, 911 and all this emergency room, sudden choices that had to be made, things changing every minute. And it was so Uranian. And then my dad did pass away. Mm, Yeah, but you know what? It's, it was really, he was so ready. He was 88. And he did say goodbye, and I'm ready to go. And happened when Uranus was within one degree of my son. And I remember looking at that like six months ago saying, hmm, that's going to be an interesting time with that Uranus energy directly opposite my son. And the reason why I share this is it's so sometimes fascinating to watch how these transits really unfold in your life. 
But that, to me, was a very Uranus opposite your son type of experience. And just, you know, the final degrees of that, again, that very Aryan, Uranus, sudden, anything can happen energy. Right. And that was, I mean, among many other things, I'm I'm certain was part of that experience as you're bringing in the Uranus, right? Is right, the fact right. that like didn't see it coming or the shocks and the surprises. And then also probably that sort of sudden burst of changing that sense of who you are, right? Exactly. My son. Sun. Right, right, right. Yeah. And I, there was, even though, you know, when someone passes, it's always hard and sad, but there was a feeling of liberation as well, you know, uh, no longer having to deal with a, an elderly parent who was suffering. And so I also felt that kind of sense of release and that very Uranian liberation as well. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I feel like I want to sort of stay with that personal, but to do, should we move? Yes, shift yes, to yes, the, and it, yes, and it, I, I didn't want to be uh, morose. I just wanted to share how that, you know, how that really, you know, kind of came into, you know, yes. my life, and in kind of a beautiful kind of, but yet very Iranian kind of way. So now, should we talk about? Uranus in Taurus? Yeah, can I just say one more thing to yeah, you, yeah. the morose, and that we're like <laughs> recording this at the end of April when there's very strong Pluto energy right. reminding us yes. that it's not morose in terms of a negative, right? But for all of us to hold the awareness, right, of Plutonian things like life and death, death. and the cycles of life yes. and in that yes. honoring of your father and, yes. you and your family. Yes, thank you. Thank you, yeah. Stephanie. Yeah. So then we'll be Uranian and move on to another part. Of <laughs> <But> anyway, <laughs> so Uranus at the end of Aries. So this is what's so interesting to me is that when a planet gets to the end of a sign, especially one that's been in a sign for a while, mm -hmm. you start to sort of see like the sense maybe of it's like it's wrapping up, right? Or mm -hmm. it's um, the things, you know, that are related to are really cast into a louder sense of our attention, right? So if we think about Uranus, shake it up, right? <laughs> Changes, disruption. Mm -hmm, right, And right. we think about Aries, right? And we even think about what's going on in the news right now. It feels very Uranus and Aries. Mm -hmm. So Aries, the soldier, the warrior, mm -hmm. weapons, right? Guns. Right. You know, this whole focus yes. the last few months ever since you know, the Parkland shootings, and there's still been so many more shootings even since then, right, right? That right. our attention and the collective conversation related to guns and gun control has completely changed. Right, right. right. And violence, and it's escalated this whole discussion. Exactly. So we see that. I think about it, too, in terms of when we think about, like, wellness astrology or medical astrology and how each sign is related to a part of the body that... Aries is related to the head and the face. Mm. So this is actually interesting, too, because thinking about face, and I think about Facebook, right, which was something that has really constellated over the last, yes. you know, seven or so years in turn, also the brand of me, which is very Aries. And now there's this whole thing that came out in terms of Facebook and Cambridge Analytica and, you know, taking your data and, you know, who's in control of your data and who's in control of me and this pushback, right, this disruption in there, you know, even looking at... Um, you know, I think over the last few years, how we've looked about, you know, in, in football, right? There's much more awareness about concussions, right? right? Concussive traumatic, traumatic events, 
to the head, right? So all these things. And we're talking about this one because this is the here and the now because Uranus goes into Taurus for its preview on May 15th, but also to sort of show what this energy can the wrong word is do, what it can reflect in terms of the synchronistic collective, collective. trends, right? And well, zeitgeist shifts. Yes, yes, yes. Because Uranus, you know, has so much to do with the, the collective consciousness and even the collective unconscious. And so, you know, you talk about the zeitgeist, just, you know, and trends that we can really watch and see unfold through these Uranus being in these different signs. Yeah. So... Should we shift and yes. jump into Uranus you and let Taurus? Let us jump into Uranus and Taurus. So Uranus goes into Taurus on May 15th, yes. which is a quite an interesting date. We're going to talk about why in a moment, let alone that it's Uranus going into Taurus. It's sort of giving us this preview right now in that it stays in Taurus until November 6th, which is the day of the United States midterm elections. Mm. So on November 6th, it scoops itself back into Aries. It stays in Aries just for it, which will be very interesting in the period when it goes back into Aries, just to see, do we see more of a finalization of these Arian topics? Right. And that it will firmly plant itself in Taurus on March 6th, 2019. Yes. So we're getting this sort of preview. It stays there until April of 2026, just so you can sort of see, like, right, there's that seven-year period. Right. And just for some historical context, the last time that Uranus was in Taurus, it was in 1934 and then from 1935 to 1941. So when we talk about some of the possible shifts and trends that we perceive may occur, we're going to touch back to that time frame. Okay. So what, 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 I'm feeling that Uranus energy. <laughs> and, you know, it's always, you, you, you can't predict, right? Nope. But we can look at the energies and what the potentials are and what the possible trends are. What do you, because I know you've been doing a lot of research into Uranus and Taurus. What, what have you found? So... Again, Uranus being, right, Uranus, Uranus, however you want a tomato, tomato, however we say it, (laughs) Uranus is the disruptor, right? It is a pattern breaker, right? And it helps to break apart the state so that more freedom, innovation, right, Mm -hmm. individualization may occur. Right. So we think about that, and then we think about Taurus. And when we think about Taurus, we think about the ground, earth, <laughs> yes, nature, riches, value, mm-hmm. currency, money, sensuality. Taurus also rules the again the senses. It rules the neck. Mm-hmm. It rules the inner ears. Mm-hmm. Taurus, of course, is the bull. Yes. So it's the whole realm of um, bulls and cows, and also our food. So it's interesting to see, like, w- think about what may we see in terms of disruption or innovation in those areas. So, any you want me to give us some ex- ideas that I have? Yeah, because I got to tell you, I'm you know uh, just because I don't have any Earth in my chart, mm. I find the whole idea of Uranus and Taurus a little perplexing. You know, I de- like I said, I haven't kind of found my way into that. So please, okay, go ahead. So in turn, before sort of getting into a little bit of the details, I guess one of the frameworks that I'm looking at it as is that it's a shakeup 
of ground. Mm. So almost this sense, too, of where do you feel grounded? Where do you feel stable? Where do you derive your security? Mm -hmm. And how can you have a little bit more of a light touch with that, that that might be redefined and deepened, right? Taurus is very, it's very fixed. It's very stubborn. You know, even in this context, like, this is how I feel secure. This is how I feel stable. That Taurus, um, Uranus and Taurus may come and shake that up, again, to be flexible, to find new ways to derive a sense of stability, derive a sense of security. Right. And I, that's that's a really great context to be looking at it because Taurus, you know, as you said, is a fixed earth sign. And so the energy can be quite dense. You know what I mean? Yes. That's why it rules the body and the earth plane. And so if we bring in that Uranus, shake it up energy is maybe, you know, what it is going to do, as you're saying, is open us up to different ways of looking at uh, what we value and our security. And it's not going to be in the old way. You know, it's not going to be how we've looked at it before. And we're even seeing that right now, whether it's in the stock market or in some of the currencies that's happening. Like, I know you've done some research on the whole idea of, like, bitcoins and, and the new currency, because Taurus does represent money and currency. And what do you what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that this is going to be one of the big things that we we see coming in, right? In terms of looking at the basis of cryptocurrency, right? The basis in terms of blockchain technology. Blockchain technology basically, which is already happening, right? And people are already talking about it and mm-hmm. building these systems. It's basically a, without getting too technical, like a decentralized ledger, right? And it therefore allows for things to occur without having to have a company in control of everything. Right. So, for example, you know, and actually a lot of people have been talking about how, like, now we have the inf- the Internet of Information and then we're going to shift to an Internet of Value, value being very Taurus. Mm. And what is that? Like, one of the realms we can see that in is right now in terms of financial transactions or in terms of, say, moving money country to country, right, it takes a long time. Mm. It takes, there's a lot of fees, you know, and it also, some of that is sort of under the propriety of, you know, a company or two companies. With blockchain technology and the decentralization of that, it can occur in, even I was just reading the other day that like stock trades, right, can be finalized in a matter of seconds or minutes versus Mm. days. I think it's like three days, you know. And that's so Uranian. So you're right, right. It's quick. It's new technology. So then what that allows is it allows for a speed. It allows for an access. I can send money to different countries without having a huge high fee, which then feels much more, you know, democratic, right? right? right. In terms of then how it sort of gives some power back to people. And it changes value. It changes the movement of value. It changes also what we consider to be value. Also, another example of this is the use of blockchain technology, say, in the creative arts. Mm. Um, Imogene Heap, who is an incredible musician, has started using blockchain to be able to 
you know, for for musicians so that musicians can actually track where is their music being played. Mm. You know, the fact that it you can actually have microcurrency so that maybe every time somebody listens to your song, you can get a nickel, right? You can't really do that in terms of traditional currency. And also so that royalties can be better reported. So we can see how blockchain technology may impact music, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and a host of the other coins. So I think that this is one of the big shifts right. that may be very Torian. There's other things as well, but that's a big one. Right. And, you know, as you're talking, what it brings to mind is just putting the power to some degree back in the hands of the individual. And where, you know, where I'm more in control instead of, like you say, in a, uh, an outside element or company or institution is controlling this for me. And to me, that is so very Uranian. And also, as you're talking about the speed of light, you know, that these things like money is getting transferred and it, it's, that feels very, you know, Uranian and quick and like lightning. You know what I mean? It's like, it, that's going to be fascinating because we're not going to be, you know, held back by time, by chronos, right? As you say, in the same way. Exactly. And it's interesting. So you were talking about that in terms of like more the power to the people, right? Uh -huh. Even thinking about with blockchain technology, the thought is you can be in control of your data, mm. right? Mm. Not that Facebook owns it and Google owns it and they can monetize it or then you can, your data may have issues of, of, of people sort of hacking into your privacy. So again, it's bringing the power back to the people, which feels very Uranus. Right. In Taurus. Right. And also, you know, Uranus does rule rebellion, yeah. you know, and revolution. So, okay, I'm starting to feel it now. Are you starting to I'm feel I'm starting it? to feel I'm feeling a little bit more comfortable. So let me ask you this, Stephanie. So what do you think about, you know, Taurus being an earth sign so related to the senses and to the body and our sensuality? And then we bring in Uranus in there. So... What do you kind of see there as could be a trend? So a couple of things, right? Like if we look about Uranus being technology, right? Are there different kinds of technologies that may de deliver experiences of the senses, right? Mm. So we can look at it from the perspective of like fragrances, right? Like are there different delivery methods? Like will they be in our clothes? Will they be in different <laughs> things? You know, again, I think with, with Uranus, we have to really think outside of the box. Yes, We right. usually say... For example, in this, this is the way something is delivered, right? May I was just reading about how people are developing fragrance that may be matched to your DNA, right? Wow. Right. So again, how do we sort of break out our confined thinking of the way things have been to think about new delivery systems? Also, I've been doing some research on... Um, ASMR, right, autonomous sensory meridian response, right, with a lot of people making the, this whole trend, I don't want to say the trend, this whole movement, right, of these videos that involve sound, you know, the sound of things or the sound of people's voices and how that is supposed to elicit this sort of sensory pleasure response that, you know, in your scalp and in your neck and how that leads to reduced anxiety and sleep. So again, technology, these videos eliciting a sensor and eliciting a sensorial response, very Uranus and very Taurus. Will we see that 
taking off, becoming more mainstream. This is all sounding very sci-fi to me. That's you know good. what I mean? It's like I'm starting to think about a Ray Bradbury novel in here somewhere. But Uranus is about the future, right? And it's about you know, whether it's through technology, and we've got to expect that our technology is going to change, and it's going to become even more innovative. We can even imagine that, right? So, you know, this is all like this kind of sci-fi future stuff. Right? I mean, it feels that way, right? Because it's like Uranus being the technology and Taurus being about things of the physical form. So almost like, is technology somehow going to integrate itself more with the form and function? Or the other piece, too, could be we actually have a sort of revolt and mm-hmm. we go we we crave more analog again like are we going to see people throwing away their smartphones and turning back to the flip phone right or are we going to see <laughs> so uranus or or <laughs> and or are we going to see you know there's this whole thing about artificial intelligence yep. right now that feels very uranus and taurus to me right you know what i mean where we're creating consciousness through technology in the human form. Again, so sci-fi. Now I'm starting to think about the Terminator movies and all this kind of stuff. So, again, this is all so Uranus. So Uranus. And thinking about it personally, like, you know, this is this will have, right, collective, what word do I want to use again? Influence, reflections, reverberations, uh, mirroring. But personally as well, right, who may be impacted, right? Or again, I don't love impacted. Who may be more influenced by Uranus going to Taurus would be people who have their sun or other planets in fixed signs. Right. That would be Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius. And those people who have them in the first, you know, at zero, one, or two, or three this year will feel that Uranian yes. shakeup. Yes. And then as the years continue, you know, depending upon where your planet is in those fixed signs, you will then feel that breakthrough and that shakeup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like my uh, sun being at like 29 degrees Aries, right. I was affected more by that Uranian energy as it moved into its very late degrees. Yeah. And for me, like my experience is I have Venus at zero degrees Aquarius. And I've already started to be feeling this, right? This sort of mm. shake up, you know, my interest in cryptocurrency and blockchain technology and sort of shifting dynamics of relationships, mm-hmm. you know, shifting dynamic also more in an internal sense of my own sense of value, mm, you know, how I yes. value myself, what has value and seeing that that is all There's a lot of movement around there, and I always think Mm -hmm. the movement's very Uranian. Yes. So anyway, for you all to think about, you know, if you know your chart, to see do you have any planets that are at very late degrees of cardinal, Aries, Cancer, Libra, Capricorn, or very early degrees of those fixed signs, Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius. Yes. And to see, again, how do you... Tune into feeling more adaptable, flexible, right? Bouncy, spontaneous, spontaneous, in the moment, willing to make change, not getting fixed about stuff. Yep, yeah, yep. exactly. So then, sort of pulling in that Taurus, sort of the practical. It's not about the facts, but the practical to also note that it was on. It's on May fifteenth that it moves into Taurus, but May fifteenth is a huge date yes. because it's also. The new moon. Mm-hmm. So we have the Taurus new moon the same day that Uranus, Uranus excuse me, moves into Taurus, and also Mars moves into Aquarius that day. 
So just within hours, we have the first of three. We're going to tell you why in a second. Uranus, Mars squares. Mars being the planet mm-hmm. of action, will, fighting, desire, right? And so that and and moving forward. So we may all feel collectively in this mid-May this shake up of how do we fuel ourselves? How do we thrust ourselves into action? You know, do we feel like it's detoured? And, you know, that's Uranus. What do you do? What's your response when you feel detoured? How do you stay adaptable and flexible? But there's a real shakeup of energy. Right, right. And then, of course, it's all square, the the Aquarius energy. And Aquarius, of course, rules Uranus. So we kind of have this, you know, repeating theme. And just to explain when we're talking about a square, a square is a, a challenging um, aspect. And so it's kind of like where the energies are not in sync with each other, but they're challenging each other. There's a little bit of a square off going there. And then we've got the new moon, too, which is also bringing in that kind of new moon, new beginnings. We have the new beginning of Uranus and Taurus. But talk to us a little bit more about the Mars square. Because when Mars is squaring a planet, it can get a little bit tricky. Yeah, right? I mean, we have Mars, you know, in Aquarius, you know, in terms of, again, Mars, that forward moving, that thrust of will, the access of will. Thrust. Thrust of will. Thrust. (laughs) (laughs) Sad to say that. I like how you say that. (laughs) Um, Okay, that's very Uranian. Now I'm like, wait, where was was I? I? Okay, wait, bye. Yes, that thrust of will, that, you know, activating oneself. But Uranus says, okay, maybe you don't do it the normal way. Or if you're Mm. doing it the normal way and you get thrown off course, again, being ready for a surprise. Right. You know, and I would say, of course, like looking out in the world stage, like what is that Mars that Mars Uranus square going to look like? Right. Um, Being surprised by the way people take action. Um, But what's interesting, too, is because Mars does do its retrograde this year, and it does do its retrograde over that early Aquarius point. This is not just, oh, on May 16th, we have this Mars-Uranus square. We have it three times. The other two times are August 1st and September 18th. So really to look at this whole months-long period as an evocation of learning Mm -hmm. about how to be resilient, adaptive, flexible, to break out of well-tread patterns related to how I go about achieving my desires and also what is it that I actually even desire and to have a light touch and to give yourself that sense of expanding your definition right. of that. Right. And, you know, as you're talking and, you know, I, I you know, I'm a tarot uh, expert. And so what's bringing to mind, of course, is the Uranus card of the tarot, which is the fool card. And with the fool card, it's very much about jumping off the cliff because, you know, the angels will catch you and being open and spontaneous and that there's such liberation. Liberation, you know, there's that Aquarius or Uranus liberation and just being willing to kind of follow where you're called to kind of instead of doing everything rationally to maybe allow in like a higher order or a higher perspective, whether it's in, you know, intuitive or spiritual in jumping off those cliffs. Right. Now, the thing about the fool is we don't know where the fool will land. Right. But that's part of the excitement. And that's part of the journey is I'm going for it anyway. Right. And the fool's number is zero. So it's that that, you know, the, 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 the cosmic egg where anything is possible. Right. So the fool jumps because he's inspired. 
So maybe with that Mars and Uranus, we can really give ourselves permission, like, <clears throat> I'm going to go where I feel inspired and the heck with it. Right. And I will, and wherever <laughs> that is, and maybe territory I've never been, I have confidence enough within myself to know how I will navigate it, even if I've never navigated it before. Right. And I'm going to trust that part of myself, maybe that higher part of myself that just knows. By the way, I love that on so many levels. And I also love that because it's zero and Taurus goes into zero when it enters, right? And Mars goes into is zero Aquarius when it squares. So, so synchronistic. So, synchroni- so should we then pull a tarot card or is that <clears throat> our tarot card? We're no, so no, 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 exactly. No, we definitely have to pull a card. And uh, now I'm a little bit nervous, Stephanie, because normally we pull the card before we go uh, into the podcast booth. And then we have time to think about it and reflect on it and tie it in. So we're just going to go totally Uranus. And Stephanie is now picking the tarot card for me. But even this is what we were just saying, right? We've never done this. This is uncharted territory. Right. But we have faith in you. You have faith that you will be able to, without question, of course, navigate this. And the dun, card dun, is... Dun, dun. Imagine if it was the full, but it's not Oh, the that would be so cool. Um, <laughs> the card that we have is the King of Cups. And, you know, kings are masters of their domain and masters of their element. And cups represent feelings and emotion. It's the waters of the soul and the unconscious. And, you know, I call the King of Cups just kind of like he's the steady Eddie King. You know, he's the one that will hold you when you fall. He's the one that's always going to be there for you. And I just have to say this because this is what's coming to me. This is also the card that I always use to represent my father. And my father, I'm actually getting a little um, emotional, but my father was a Scorpio and very king of cups in so many different ways. And so I, I just have to say that, that this is my dad's card. You know what I mean? And that's interesting. And I think to me, just to tie this all in is to know that no matter what, when you're jumping is you're going to be caught by, you know, that stable, and we're going to use the word masculine energy, just which kind of represents more of that grounding, practical, I'll be there for you kind of energy. So to me, it's also, and Taurus has a lot to do with comfort, right? I think that sometimes with all this Uranian craziness going we might need to seek comfort, you know, and maybe that's what Taurus is asking us. Where do you seek comfort? Where do you get nurtured in that very grounded, stable way that you can always count on? And I think that's kind of what the King of Cups is about here. It's beautiful, like that lesson and also what to turn to. Right, right. And right. what's being invoked. Right, right. <sighs> Because the the king is a little different than a queen. You know, the queen is more, uh, it's more Aryan, where, you know, more cardinal, more active. I'm in movement. The king is very fixed. He's very stable. He's very steady. steady, And that's why I'm saying this is a place, these are some arms that you can fall into. Beautiful. Which feels like that would also help us all to feel more confident or courageous, right? Right, Right. Courage to say, okay, I am going to go into that unknown because there are those steady arms that I know I can fall into. Yes. So one more thing, I mean, we could sit here and talk about Uranus for a long, long time, which I wish we could, which we can, (laughs) but maybe we will next time. Um, Just one more thing. We've got seven years to talk about that. Exactly. We have time. (laughs) We actually have time. But I want to say one more thing since I said it a few minutes ago that I was going to go back to it is that just again as another marker is within 
days or weeks or months now, I can't exactly remember, but in, you know, when it was last, when it last went into Taurus on June 6, 1934, was right around the time that the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, was established. So that's very interesting. Wow. And I just wonder to, anyway, just wanted to make that note. Again, what might we actually have new developments in the financial world where there'll be more, you know, regulation, you know, related to cryptocurrency, things like that. So I'm just putting that back in there since I sort of alluded to it and I wanted to not miss that. Um, so let's sort of move forward and move qu- just quickly out of Taurus. I could just stay in this like luxurious Taurus time <laughs> That's forever. because you have your mood in Taurus. You just love it. But on May 20th, we move into Gemini. Yes. So it's yes. Gemini season. So anything that you want to say about, like, g- what does Gemini season feel like, and especially in response to, or, or in relationship, I should say, to Taurus season? You know, Gemini season is always, Gemini is such a fun sign. You know, Gemini is the spontaneous twins and uh, very mischievous and curious and in the moment. And Gemini has a lot to do with uh, not only curiosity, but it's about communication and Gemini loves to gather information and Gemini can be restless unlike Taurus which is so grounded Gemini's in the air and it's kind of all over the place but I think it'll be a nice kind of energy to bring in after this kind of Taurus time to kind of like get the flow maybe going a little bit and it'll be interesting to see what kind of new information kind of starts to appear on the scene and come into our consciousness yeah me too and, you know, in Confluence on May 29th, we have the full moon, right? right the sun right. is in Gemini, yes. the moon is in Sagittarius. And that day also Mercury, the planet of communication that rules Gemini, actually shifts into Gemini. Right, right. Right. Wow. So That's very mercurial. We've got a lot of that Mercury energy. Yeah. And so that, you know, that Sag full moon always about, you know, understanding and also the balancing of like facts with wisdom right right, right. how you take information and you um publish it and share right. it into the world yes. and again again the balance between sort of the local and the global yes that's going to be a very fruitful time around communication yeah and yeah. it's interesting right because we're in that whole Taurus and it's slow and everything's just sort of like you know luxuriating and maybe a little bit lazy and we're just grounded and <laughs> sensual and then things do speed up right? right our minds speed up when there's this Gemini season. Yes. So, yes. And one more note that I know we wanted to talk about as well is just right a few days before that, on May 25th, we have the Jupiter-Neptune trine. Mm-hmm. Now, this is something that's one of these sort of um, wider paintbrush energetics. Right. Um, the first of these Jupiter-Neptune trines was December 2nd, 2017. The last one will be August 19th. Okay. So, again, this is one of sort of these background notes Jupiter in Scorpio, right? The sort of wisdom through digging deep and into that sort of well of honesty. Neptune in Pisces, the mysticism, numinosity, compassion, the blurring, right? This sort of advent or another level of an advent of spirituality, right, compassion, right. a sense of unity. It's water. This it's is water, all so water, watery, water. right? It's kind of poetic in a way, you know, because when we have, you know, Pisces swimming in the water and Scorpio, as you said, you know, that deep dive, you know what I mean? It's going to be really, I think it's going to be a powerful time to maybe take a step back and really give yourself permission to kind of be in a more reflective, water loves to reflect or be creative, you know, right? 
write some poetry or, you know, meditate, anything where you can really, uh, you know, benefit from this very watery, you know, transformational, insightful energy. Yes. Great time for dream work, Great keeping a dream, dream journal, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So really that honoring of that space. Yeah. And in terms of, I was thinking about wellness suggestions, right? right? Um, Uranus, again, being the disruptor, the trying something new, mm-hmm. right? The breaking out of the old. And Taurus being the sign of, or the sign related to our routines, our habits, our rituals. It's just to think, I'm going to say something more broad spectrum than giving examples, is when you think about how you have composed your self-care regimen, mm. right? What it is that feel has felt good to you, dietary approaches, exercise approaches, herbs, what have you. To just look at that realm from a different space to say Am I too rigid in terms of my go-tos? You know, is there something else maybe I want to try? Can I, like, dial back from this and dial into something else? You know, is there a way? Have I actually been asserting my own sense of freedom in terms of what I know would be good for me? Or am I just have adopted what everybody else thinks is good? Right? Shake. Maybe it's this whole notion of where can you grow and get a greater sense of well-being from actually shaking up? your approach to wellness. Oh, that's that's so perfect. Like really opening up uh, your wellness routine. And as you're saying that, it also reminds me that Uranus also rules energy medicine, mm-hmm. you know, which is very exciting. I think energy medicine is going to really transform in the next few years. Is maybe look, looking at, is there anything that you want to explore, you know, like in, in shaking up your routine? Maybe part of it will be through some kind of form of energy medicine. Yes, I love it. Right? Because yeah. like you say, like Uranus with energy medicine, Taurus with the body. Right. So more of that connection between the two. Yes. Yes. So also to shake things up, I thought that I would ask you a question, something that we never talk about. Okay. Is, is there anything that you want to share with um, everyone listening about things that are going on for you or they should know about in terms of the work that you're doing in the next month? Well, well, you know, um, I actually, you know, it's so great to be doing what I do. And I, it's so wonderful to be able to like be an astrologer and a clairvoyant and a tarot card reader and do that as my day job. And it's really interesting because I have been doing this for, oh my God, I hate to say this, 30 years. I'm very old, but you know, it's, it's really interesting because every time I go through a life transition, it always shows up in my work. You know what I mean? And I think that's the beauty of it sometimes. And I also think that can be a double-edged sword because sometimes when you're going through some, you know, hard stuff, it, you know, it kind of takes you away from your work. But I do feel like, since you're asking, I do feel like there's some new levels energetically that are kind of opening up for me. Part of this is an experience going through with my dad, helping him pass on. I also think, and this is very Uranian, that the energy on the planet is the vibrational um, energy is really changing and shifting. Everybody's talking about this shift, the quickening that we're in. And what's really cool about this new energy is it is allowing us, like you were talking about, where currency could move very quickly. It's also allowing us to make shifts individually and in our consciousness very quickly. They talk a lot about instant karma and instant manifestation. And so the opportunities to shift through something 
whether it's emotionally or spiritually or an old habit or old conditioning, is amazing right now. They also talk about that, you know, we're being released from old karma. This is a part of the new vibration, allowing us to be more in the moment to make these shifts. So being mindful, remembering that you are creating your reality in every moment is, I think that's a part of it right now. And I'm really seeing that more in my work with clients that are breaking through stuff that is like, We've been working on this for years, and all of a sudden, it's happening. Are you finding that with clients? Yeah. By the way, I love that instant Uranus manifestation Taurus. Instant manifestation is perfect. (laughs) Yes, I am. I mean, I see it a lot with clients. I see it with, you know, friends and family. Like, we've been, like, waiting and building and building and thinking, and now everyone's, like, changing things. Yes. Like, it's that, okay, the time is now to break through and to, like, change it up in this way. I had needed to wait until this moment. Right. right? It's not like, oh, why did I wait so long? But now... Now the time is ripe, ripe to just change a lot of things up. And so manifest. And manifest. Because I think we've, you know, a lot of the change has been Aries where you don't know where to plan it. Yep. And now I think we're changing, but also we can see the actual manifestation. Exactly. So that's really interesting. Yeah. And also I've been seeing this too, and it feels maybe also like maybe the Jupiter, Neptune, and the Uranus and Taurus, and even thinking about some of the work that we're doing, right? Like two days after that new moon, you know, and after Uranus goes into Taurus, like we're doing this new combination of work, combining dreams with Tarot at a work in a workshop in Seattle, right? So I've seen this a lot too, in terms of other people in the healing fields, right. the well-being fields, is like this quote mashup or this like this combination <laughs> mashup, like where different approaches to healing yes. are not siloed, but they're partnered. Right, right. So I'm really I'm and you know the that. the other thing about the you know that too is Uranus does rule archetypes, and I think one of the things I'm very excited about that workshop, by the way, because I think dreams and the tro are just this most magical combination. Um, but but, you know, Uranus has a lot to do with those archetypes, right? And so I think that's part of what we're going to be bringing out in that workshop as well, is how do you relate to these archetypes? Yeah. Well, now I've done my sharing. So, Stephanie, you've got to tell us what's, you know, what's up for you this month. Anything new and exciting? Yeah. So in addition to the workshop that we're doing, I am actually have a new office. Yes, Which that's feels right. very Uranus and Taurus, like actually having this physical space to do my work in, to do my counseling work in. I'm going to be starting small dream groups. So that feels like a big change and something like long time coming, and yet the timing hadn't been right until the timing is right Right. now. Right, because that's something you've been talking about for a long while. So congratulations. Thank you. And also my strong focus and interest in Uranus and Taurus, I'm working on an article that's like a periscope into possible trends. So hopefully Mm. I'll get that done in the next couple of weeks. So anybody that's interested, check out either my Instagram or check out my website for that. And yeah, I'm just continuing to do more and more dream work. You know, I did that online astrology and dreams class in March, and I'm going to be doing that again in July. So yeah, those are just some of my... So be sure and check out Stephanie's website, which is... Which is stephaniegaling.com, and you're on Instagram under the same. Yes, Stephanie underscore Galing. Right. And I'm, of course, at meganskinner.com and on Instagram at meganseas. So none of this would have been possible for Megan and I without some really important help and support. So we want to give a shout out to our sound engineer, Nick Patry. 
our editor, Sebastiano Tecchio, and also the Overcast Room at Cloud Studios in Capitol Hill in Seattle. Also, you can find the podcast on iTunes. And, you know, if you enjoy it, you know, please consider giving us a fabulous review. And then also we have an email address. We'd love to hear from you. I can never remember what it is, <laughs> Stephanie. What is our email address for So Divine? So Divine Ventures at gmail.com. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Any questions you have, anything you'd like to be brought up in the in the show, you know, just anything. We would love to hear from you. Thank you, and tune in next month to hear all about what June may have in store for us. Mm-hmm.